the gospel of Mark chapter number 2 verse number 1 I know we've heard from this passage before but there's some things I want to share with you that God has led me to share with you today the gospel of Mark chapter number 2 and we're going to begin our reading at verse number 1 I'm going to read from the New King James follow along with whatever you have and we're going to read all the way down to verse number 7 the gospel of Mark chapter 2 verse number 1 and again he entered Capernaum this is speaking of Jesus after some days and it was heard that he was in the house and immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them not even near the door and he preached the word to them then they came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men and when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let him down. They let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? I want to minister for a few moments from the subject God's will revealed in Capernaum God's will revealed in Capernaum would you lift your hands to heaven one more time father we love you we stand in awe of your presence we thank you for everything that you have done I thank you for this church Lord that is, a, that is a light not only in the Bay Area, but has now become a light, God, in your church. God, to encourage, to minister to many lives. I thank you for everything that you have done in these days. But I also thank you in advance for what you're going to do today. For the hearts that you have already begun to touch, the lives you've already begun to change. Be glorified in this place. Heal, deliver, set free, fill somebody with the Holy Ghost, redirect somebody's destiny. God, God, encourage somebody's heart, but most of all, be glorified in everything that we say and do. We ask your blessing upon us today in the wonderful name of Jesus. And somebody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. And the wonderful presence of the Lord. In Mark chapter 2, we're almost allowed to look into the heart of Jesus and see what he desires to do in the lives of people who are in need. In this well-known story of the miracle performed by Jesus on a paralyzed man from Capernaum, we can find what God's will is for our lives. For all of us who want not only to see, but to experience God's blessings in our lives. And I believe every single one of us in this building wants the will of God to be done in our lives. I believe there are lessons here for all of those who no longer want to continue and the same difficult situations that we are experiencing today. Difficulties possibly in our health, in our families, in our finances, and even in our spiritual life. These are very important things for all of us who yearn for God to transform our lives for the better. 
So I believe what we will see here in this story is the will of God for every single one of us. The first thing that I find in this story that's the will of God for everybody is first of all, number one, in Jesus, there's always another opportunity. I'll say that again. In Jesus, there is always another opportunity. If you go back to verse number one, it reads, and again, someone say again. Yeah. Say it with me, again. Yeah. And again, he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Jesus again entered Capernaum. He had been in that city before. He had worked miracles in other places, and then he left that city. But I don't know about you, but I like to believe that it's wonderful to know that the Lord is willing again to work miracles in those who seek after him. I'm so glad that there is a God who will come again. We doubt and we fail and we drop the ball and we make promises that we can't fulfill. And I'm so glad he doesn't step back and say, oh, Anthony, you haven't been acting the way you should. You're not living up to par. No, he comes again to reach out to me. He comes again to visit me. He comes again to bless me. Maybe in the past, still in need of God, we didn't seek him. But even in need of his love and his power, possibly having an indifferent attitude towards him, or for whatever reasons, we might even stray from the things of God. But Jesus is again ready to help us. His love is available to us. His power is present to work wonders in our life. Our God is a God of fresh opportunities. I've heard people say that God is the God of second chances. But, I'm, but I want to go beyond that. God is a God of multiple chances. Because if we were a little bit honest with ourselves, some of us are on the, thor the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, the seventh. How many chances has Jesus given us? How many times has he looked past our faults and our failures and said, I still want to do something great in your life. I still want to bless you. I still want to use you. He's a God of multiple chances. And the question is, is, are we going to take advantage of this opportunity? Are we going to continue in need or are we going to seek God? Jesus returned again to Capernaum. He is a God of many chances. And there is somebody possibly in this room today that needs another chance. There's somebody here that maybe we wouldn't like to admit it. But there's an area that we've possibly failed God. There's an area that possibly we could do things a little bit better. And I'm here to tell you, regardless of what the enemy has told you or how you feel, God is here to give you another chance. God can pick you up again. God can restore back to you everything that you think you have lost because he's a God of many chances. Is there anybody in the building that can testify that he's a God of many chances? The 
Bible says again. And Jesus, my dear brother and friend, there's always another opportunity. And I feel that he's in this room today to give somebody another opportunity. To get to know him as your Lord and your Savior. To give you a chance to see his power manifested in your life. So in Jesus, there's always another opportunity. The second thing that we notice when we look at this story is that if we want to experience God's wonders, we have to pass from intention to action. Verse number three says, then they came to him, bring up a paralytic who was carried by four men. It's quite possible that these four individuals intended on taking their paralytic friend to Jesus the first time he came to Capernaum. Maybe they even thought to themselves, it would be good to take our friend to Jesus. But for whatever reasons they didn't do it, they stayed home, not taking advantage of the opportunity. But when they heard that Jesus came again, they decided to take action and move from good intentions to action. They decided to transform their good intention to good work, choosing to take advantage of the opportunity, even though it would require a little bit of effort. But in their minds, it would be worth it. Can I tell you, we must make the same decision by no longer complaining about our condition and stop just making plans and having desires but connect an action plan to those desires and move in faith. There's a lot of people that want to do things. Oh, pastor, I want to serve the Lord. Then do it. Oh, pastor, I, I want to get more involved here at City Light. Well, do it. I want to start inviting my friends and my family and my loved ones to church with me. I have a desire. I've been thinking about it. And then they get real spiritual. I've been praying about it. Almost like, well, in that case, we'll leave you alone because you're praying about it. And there's so many things that we're praying about. So many things that we want to do. And and, and so many things that we're intending to do. And and with the help of the Lord, I'm going to do it. And God says, I've been helping you, but you're not doing it. And I'm talking to somebody that started out 2023 with resolutions and and dreams and and goals and and desires and and all these things and all these boards that you've been putting up. Can I tell you, it's time to move from intention into action. And start trying to make a plan and say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it in Jesus' name. I'm not going to let the next Sunday come until I've done something about what I've been thinking about doing. It's time to do it. Look at somebody tell me it's time to do it. I've been thinking about joining a small group. Do it. I've attended a small group for some time now. I'm thinking about opening up another one. Do it. I've been thinking about serving, you know, I, I've come here for some time now, and, and, and this church has been so good to me, and has been there for me. I think it's time for me to give back. I'm thinking about getting more involved. Do it! Do it! Quit intending, and just start doing. We've got to move in faith. 
we need to believe God and then take some steps of faith. Opening up my heart and life to Jesus. Drawing closer to God and the things of God. Praying with faith. Giving my life to Jesus. Possibly even getting baptized in his name. Taking the necessary steps to serve the Lord with all of my heart. I need to stop saying I'm going to change. And allow God through his word and his spirit to make the necessary changes in me that I desperately need. I need to act. I need to start taking steps of faith. How many times have we told ourselves we're going to change? One of these days, Pastor, I'm going to change. I promise you. Get ready. It's coming. One of these days. And Jesus is here, ready to do the work in your life. And it's time to move from intention to action. Faith requires belief. And then it requires movement. Your belief should cause you to act. Wanting to be saved is not the same as being saved. Wanting to be delivered from addictions and the vices of this world is not the same as deliverance. And I've come to tell you here today, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of deliverance. The thing that you've been looking for, you found it in this place. His name is Jesus. He's ready and he's willing, but you've got to take some steps towards him. It requires movement and it requires action. If we want to experience God's wonders, we have to pass from intention to action. But here's the third thing that I find very interesting. It's connected to the second. A victorious life is for those who seek solutions and not excuses. All of that is in that story, preacher. You better believe it's there. Because verse number four says this. And when they could not come near him, speaking of Jesus, because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. If that would have been you and me, we would have showed up and the parking lot would have been full. We would have looked through the windows and said, man, it's packed. And then some of the real spiritual ones, you know, I know you don't have any here, but if there would have been, the spiritual ones would have said, I guess it's not God's will. Forget about the seats in front. There was no seat in the house. It was probably one of those good old-fashioned apostolic services where the church was like this, you know. People were sharing seats. I mean, it was packed. It was hot. There was no ventilation. Jesus probably was in a corner somewhere trying to preach up the crowd and people were outside and it was packed because they heard that Jesus had come again the first time he did a great miracle and now everybody else wanted their own miracle. And if that would have been you and me, we would have sat there and said, guys, let's have a meeting, you know, let's talk about this. We're not going to get in. 
and I saw an in and out down the street. And we're kind of hungry. Chick-fil-A is closed on Sundays. So that's our best option. And I think we deserve it. Because we've been carrying around this guy all through town. And then I can imagine not only excuses, but there must have been a measure of disappointment. Because they're telling their friend, we're almost to Jesus. Pain in his body, tired of being paralyzed, tired of being sick, tired of being messed up, tired of people feeling sorry for himself, tired of not being able to provide for his family like he should. And so his friends are encouraged, we're almost there, we're almost there. And then they get there and the place is full and they can't get in. And so they very easily could have started making excuses. We can't get in there. It's too hard. And verse 4 clearly says it. They could not come near. They could probably hear Jesus' voice, but they couldn't see him. But those four friends were committed to receiving a miracle for their friend or their loved one. They refused to give up and go home with excuses like it was too full. It would have been impossible. It's very inconvenient. Or maybe more spiritually sounding things like it wasn't God's time. It wasn't God's will. And these are the type of excuses that we use when we want to put in minimum effort and ultimately blame God. We just don't put the effort, and then we blame God. Well, if it was God's will, there would be a seat for me. If it was God's will, then everything would just align itself. Sometimes things don't align themselves. Sometimes the sun is not shining. Sometimes the birds are not singing. Sometimes there's people in your life that are against you. Sometimes it seems like you just can't have a good day. But you got to quit making excuses and say, I'm going to do whatever I have to do to get to Jesus. My family needs to get to Jesus. My children need to get to Jesus. I need to get to Jesus. I'm going to stop making excuses and start looking for solutions. What they decided to do was look for a solution and not give up. They didn't change their objective, but they changed their plan. Their strategy changed. Instead of coming through the front door, they came through the roof. I mean, they're looking at the windows. That's not going to work. They're looking at the door. That's not going to work. I would have loved to have been a part of that conversation or fly on the wall when one of the guys, because there had to be one person, one of the guys was like, how about we climb on the roof? I mean, it sounds just as crazy now as it did 2,000 years ago. Let's just, you know, cut a hole in the roof and let's let our friend down And Jesus will have no choice but to stop and pray for him. I can imagine the other three, the look on their faces. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the look like, come on, dude. Bro. Seriously, bro? Like, seriously? No. Literally, we're going to let him. Literally, yeah. Literally, we're going to let him down. 
We're going to literally let them down and we got to hold them. Yeah, we got to hold them and, and, and bring them all the way down until he gets to Jesus. And, and so Jesus is preaching, man. He's going at it. He's a good preacher. He's preaching. And all of a sudden, dust begins to fall. You know? And then the, the insulation stuff begins to start getting on everybody's clothes and everybody's like, what's going on? Oh my gosh, I picked this outfit just for church today and now it's all dirty. And all of a sudden, here comes this individual. They couldn't get in the front door. They didn't fit in the window. And so they cut a hole in the roof. But guess what? They got in. I congratulate you today for being in the house of the Lord because you got in and because you got in there's a miracle there's an answer there's a blessing there's a touch of the Lord for you whatever you gotta do get close to Jesus whatever you gotta do get close to the church whatever you gotta do get close to your pastor God will do a work if you're willing to look for solutions and not excuses I don't know about you but I've only been pastoring now officially for a year and I've heard some amazing excuses I like, there's some folks I want to shake their hand like, wow. I'm fourth generation apostolic, been in church all my life, and I've never heard that one. And then I get text messages like five minutes before church. Pastor, we're not going to make it. And you only knew five minutes ago that you weren't coming to church? I think that text was written like several days ago and they just held on to it and saved it in their notes. And then the wife is like, honey, you know, it's five till, send it to the pastor. Pastor, we're not going to be in church. And then they get creative with all these things. It's because Sunday is our family day. Yeah, bring your family to church day. an hour and a half, hour 45 minutes, two hours at the most, and then you have the rest of the Sunday to enjoy your family meal prep, go to the mall, go wherever you want to do, and go do all the things that you want to do, but it's time to quit looking for excuses and start finding solutions to be where Jesus is, to be in the middle of the movement, to be where Jesus is blessing, where Jesus is healing. tell people in my church you got to start on Monday getting ready for Sunday you pull out your calendar and say okay we got soccer practice we got work we got to go to the grocery store we got to go to Costco we got to go to Target we got to go visit the grandparents we got to do all these things let's make sure we fit all of that but let's also make sure we get to God's house Let's also make sure we're doing everything we can because we got to get our kids to Jesus. We got to get our family to Jesus. We got to get our loved ones to Jesus. Is there somebody that's hearing the voice of the Holy Ghost talking to them today? I'm tired of making excuses why it doesn't work and why we can't do it. Let's find some solutions to have revival. Find some solutions for God to do what he wants to do in us. 
Somebody lift your hands to heaven right now. I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm tired of making excuses. I'm tired of finding reasons why it won't work for me. I'm tired of finding reasons why I can't get baptized. Why I can't get more involved. Why I can't do what God's calling me to do. Out with the excuses. I'm looking for solutions to do what God is asking me to do. I'm sorry, that wasn't in my notes. We need to understand that any time we make an effort to seek God more, every time you try to please God, the enemy will do everything in his power to place difficult obstacles in your way, to discourage you, for you to take a step back and ultimately take a step away from the things of God. You almost got to be ready. When you start telling your family, you know, we're going to go to church. I'm all, the devil's like, oh, really? Oh, okay. And it's almost like everything. I mean, the car, you got car trouble. You get work issues. All of us. So the kids are, are doing their thing Monday through Friday. And then Saturday night, they start acting up. Sunday morning, like the iron doesn't work. The Wi-Fi goes out and it's like you rip the heart out of your kids. Because now what are they going to do, you know, because there's no Wi-Fi. Might as well cut off their arms. And... Everything is going because you're making an intention. You got rid of the excuses. And now you're looking for solutions to do the will of God. And so the enemy's going to try everything he can. But thank God that there are people here that have solutions. And say, so you know what? The devil is a liar. I'll get an Uber to church if I have to. The devil is a liar. I'm going to do the will of God. I'm going to do what I committed to. I'm going to follow through. I'm going to be faithful. We're going to get as close to Jesus as possible. Because there, there's are, there are people out there that have a hundred problems for every solution. And I know, Pastor, well, you know, we tried, we tried, you know, it's, it's too hard. This, this church thing is not for me. This living for God thing, it's just, it's real difficult. I don't know if you know that. And so we have all these excuses. And, and again, I'm not trying to hurt anybody. I'm not trying to offend anybody. I, I just got this word that I got to deliver. It's time to make some solutions. Just like these men, we must look for solutions. Change our strategy. Change our plan if necessary. Even if we have to get up a little earlier to pray and read the word, we got to do it. Even after I have to, have to change my weekly schedule around to make more time for the things of God, I have to do it. We must look for alternatives and organize ourselves differently. But what we cannot do is distance ourselves from God. Victory never comes into your life on accident. It's evident in the lives of people who are intentionally seeking the will of God, drawing closer to him on a daily basis. They're doing whatever it takes to overcome whatever obstacles the enemy places in their way. 
our children are not going to serve the Lord on accident. It's going to take work. Uh, we're not going to fulfill the will of God on our lives on accident. We've got to work at it every day. We've got to wake up and say, God, I want to please you today. I want to live for you today. I want to do what you're asking me to do today. Don't just wake up and stumble into the will of God. Wow, look at what we just ended up here. Don't work that way. Every day you make up in your mind today, we're going to do the will of God. Come what may come, whatever it costs. And then tomorrow we're going to wake up and we're going to do the will of God. See the light? You're going to do the will of God. Whether it's popular or not, whether it's accepted or not, maybe you're the only one right now in your family that's going to do it, but you've got to do the will of God, and God is going to bless you, and God is going to honor you, and you're going to experience victory when you make up in your mind, I'm all out of excuses. Let me, let me, let me try to wrap this up here. Let me give you this third, the fourth thing. The first miracle that God wants to do in our life is to save our soul. Verses 5 through 7 read like this. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus saw the faith of those who brought the paralytic man. But he also saw that this man had a greater problem than the paralysis of his body. His sins had not been forgiven. And he was condemned because of his sinful condition. All the effort of those four men would have been for nothing if the paralyzed man would have just walked out of there but destined for an eternity separated from God. For this reason, it is important to understand that the greatest miracle our God desires to do in the life of every individual is not only to heal your sickness or restore your finances or even restore your marriage or your family. The greatest miracle that God can do for you is to save your soul. God's primary objective for every person is to save that which was lost. We have to understand that everything that God allows in the life of every single one of us has an ultimate objective to save us from eternal judgment. Miracles and breakthroughs are wonderful, but more important is the salvation of your soul. Jesus can save your marriage. He can save you from financial ruin. He can save you from more pain, but his greatest desire is to save your soul. greatest thing that Jesus wants to do in your life is to make you one of his sons and daughters. To forgive you of your sins. To wash you in his blood. To fill you with his spirit. To connect you to his body, the church. And ultimately one day to take you to be with him forever in heaven. That's what Jesus desires to do above everything else. 
And I just feel in my spirit just to remind us, as I've reminded my local church, we can't forget we're in the soul-saving business. We can't forget there are people that Jesus still wants to save. There are families that he still wants to save. He's in the saving business. And I'm closing. Jesus himself gave us the very reason why he came to this earth. He said, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. This is God's ultimate desire. It's the first miracle that he wants to do in your life. But without a doubt, there is so much more that he desires to do in you. He can do more than you could even ask or think. He wants to save you. He wants to forgive you. But I like this last part. Verse number seven says, why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? I love this because if Jesus is God, he's the only one that has power to forgive sins. If Jesus is God, he has power to save. He has power to deliver. He has power to heal. He has power to restore. He has power to bless. Can I just pause for a moment and tell you that Jesus is not the second person of a supposed trinity. Jesus is God and God Almighty. Oh, can I just preach just for a little while as I let you go? Jesus is God. One of the greatest revelations of his will is for him to reveal himself to humanity as the mighty God in Christ. 1 Timothy 3, 16, great. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up in the glory. Let us never forget that Jesus is God. He's not a lesser form of God. He's not a watered-down version of God. When John saw the apocalyptic vision of the end and he was able to peer into heaven in John Revelation chapter 3, he said that he looked into the heavens and he saw one throne and one sitting on that throne and it was the Lord Jesus Christ. There's not three thrones in heaven. There's not two thrones in heaven. There's one throne and one sitting on that throne. His name is Jesus. Jesus is the mighty God. Let's make sure our children understand it. Let's make sure our young people understand it. The only one that can save, the only one that can heal is Jesus. Jesus Christ is God. The first miracle that God wants to do in our life is to save our soul. And it's God's will for you to be saved. And it's God's will for his church to keep preaching, to keep reaching, to not stop until everybody we know 
comes to know Jesus. City Light, I just come by to remind you that we're in the soul-saving business. God has done some great things in our churches. God is doing some great things even now. But there's still more souls to be saved. We still got family members that don't know Jesus. We still got neighbors and co-workers and friends that still haven't given their lives to Jesus. And if you're here today and you're under the sound of my voice, God is calling you to give your life to Jesus. Move from intention into action and say, Pastor, I've been visiting and I, I've been going to a small group and, and I've been connected here and I love this church, but there's something missing. I haven't taken that next step to be baptized in water in the only name that saves. In the name of Jesus, I've, I've got to get baptized in Jesus' name. And maybe you are already baptized, but you're not quite connected like you should. It's the will of God for you to get as close to him as you can and get connected once again. Stand with me today. And so Capernaum ultimately reveals to us what God's will for his church and for his people is. It's God's will to save our soul. To grant us victory if we seek solutions and not excuses. It's God's will to do wonders in our life if we move from intention to action and in Jesus there's always another opportunity God's will is to restore there is a tremendous revival of prodigal sons that has already begun to happen in this hour and I tell you by the Holy Ghost that the revival of prodigals coming back to the Father's house is going to be just as great as the souls that God's going to bring to our churches. Because restoration is the will of God. I'll say that again. Restoration is the will of God. Let's make sure we still have room in our churches for those that have walked away. And we can tell them, you can always come back home. You can always come back to the Father's house because restoration is the will of God. Because in Jesus, there's always another chance. And it's God's will to do wonders and miracles never before just like Jesus saves just like he restores he heals he delivers and he sets free don't forget being in the will of God is being as close to God as you can you say pastor right now I just don't really understand what God's will for my life is at this very moment heard what you said and maybe something clicks with your spirit but, but I, I don't really know exactly where I'm supposed to be and what am I supposed to be doing and I love that God's will reveals to us that his will is for us to be as close to him as we can and when you're as close to Jesus as you can be let me tell you he'll start talking to you when this paralytic man got as close as he could to Jesus with the help of his friends, Jesus told him, I I'm going to heal you, but I'm also going to forgive your sins. 
took up his bed and walked out of there in the very will of God. And I feel to reach to some folks in this room here today that God's will for your life is for you to get as close to him as you can. Whatever that looks like, whatever it is that you have to do, going beyond intention, stop making excuses, whatever it is, I want to be as close to God as I possibly can. And you'll find the center of his will when you get there. If there's somebody in this room like right now that feels that way and says, I'm committing today to get as close as I can to Jesus, do whatever I have to do to be as close to him, to be in the center of his will, I want you to come and stand at this altar right now. It may look different from you than your neighbor. It may look different for you than for me. But we got to do as close as, as much as we can to get as close as we can. I want you to come and stand at this altar. If you feel the Lord dealing with you and calling you that way, I want you to come.